0: Hey, have you ever found yourself saying, "Ah, "I just can't find good people these days"? You know, you hire somebody, and then less than a year later, maybe just months later, they're gone, and now you've got the same open position to fill. You know, people come in late, so you got to fire them, or your competitor gobbles them up, or they just quit. And you've heard it said, "You just can't find good help these days." Why is that? Is it a work ethic issue? Is it a problem with this generation of employees from the Ramsey Network? This is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where we help business leaders grow themselves, their teams, and their profits. I'm your host, Daniel Tardy, and my guest today is Aaron Witt. You're going to love this guy. Aaron's the president, and check this out, chief dirt nerd at BuildWit. And Aaron's on a mission to take what he calls the dirt world, you know, heavy construction, mining, blue-collar people with shovels that roll up their sleeves and get after it. Well, he wants to take that whole world to a better place. And the fact is, right now, 80% of contractors in this space are struggling to fill open positions. And Aaron doesn't buy that it's a work ethic problem, and he's not convinced that it's a generational issue. He believes that it's a problem with the industry where the status quo mindset focuses on production and profit instead of people. And Aaron wants to do something about it. He wants to help the businesses in this industry that are fed up with the status quo actually do things different and turn the whole thing on its head. And I think he's going to do it. You guys are going to like this. Aaron started BuildWit after spending several years working at five different heavy construction
1: businesses that were not working the way he thought they should. So got a job at 18, right out of high school in construction. Cold called the owner of a construction company working a few streets down from my house. I asked him for a job. He said, don't think about it. Give me give me a call in a, in a few months, and maybe we'll see. Kept calling him, kept calling him. Finally, he gave me a job. Uh, so there I was, 18 years old, out in the ditch with a shovel. I love the passion that you – I can't imagine many
0: high schoolers are going – I want to go get in a ditch with a shovel. You know, I mean, most of them no. are trying to get their education and go the other direction and, and go to the white collar
1: path. But I mean, you have this thing about actually rolling up your sleeves and doing the grunt work. It's it's so much fun once you do it. it there's so much satisfaction in it, so much pride. You, you just have more fun with the people you work with because you're all working hard and trying to make things happen and solving problems every day, working outside for, for better or for worse. You know, it could be hot, it could be cold, it could be beautiful. Um, There's just something about it that's always drawn me to it, always got me excited, and I've just chased it. Mm. So, you're working in construction,
0: right? And then you noticed a a problem, an opportunity. There's something bugging
1: you about uh, the the stigma around this space. So. Yeah, I I worked for a few different construction companies, and I went to school for construction engineering. So I have an engineering degree. I don't know how it happened, but I I passed all my classes somehow. They gave me the degree. They can't take it back now. It's in a safe in my home, so (laughs) they have to come get it. I like it. But I I, I worked for a a bunch of different construction companies, so I was raised – Um, everybody's, uh, every friend's dad was somebody growing up. So one of them, you know, fortune 500 CEO, the next one president of the biggest car dealership in the world. Um, they were all these really powerful guys doing all sorts of amazing things. And, and I absorbed all these lessons. I saw these business owners and I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to, I just thought that was the natural progression that, because it was so normal growing up that, that I just thought that's what I would do too. So I wanted to start a business And I wanted to start a construction company. So to start a construction company, I needed construction experience. So I tried to go work for as many construction companies as I could while I was in school for construction engineering. Hmm. Um, So I worked for uh, all sorts of companies doing anything from laboring in the ditch or the shovel, like I said, to uh, managing work, to uh, working on the railroad, to doing drilling and blasting work, a lot of uh, away from home, a lot of long Just seven days a week, working overnights, working all, just all, all the time. All my friends work. Hard work. Yeah, all my friends were back home messing around because you're in college. Um, But I was out there, you know, just, that was the path. That was for me. So, graduated college. I said, um, all right, I'm going to go get a job in construction. That's what I'm going to go do. But... Just before I graduated, I wanted to start telling stories on the internet. So I started to evaluate my life like, what is the unique story I have to tell? And I noticed no one was really telling a very good story in construction. The quality was very low. I followed some of these construction pages on the internet, but the photos weren't very good. The level of storytelling wasn't very dynamic. And I thought, well, I have all these pictures and these videos and these experiences from my time in construction so far. I'm just this kid, 22 year old kid, but. I think I have some value to add here. I think I have a story to tell. So I just started telling my story on the internet. And uh, that's where it really started to, to to grow was I started to notice that, hey, there's no one doing this. And then, hey, there's actually some problems here. There's actually some some workforce issues and perception problems that we think we might be able to address.
0: I want to talk about – we'll talk about the problems in a second. But I'm yeah. just fascinated by it. There's not many people that in college have, have the drive to go to school and then also take on – all of this crazy work. I mean, self-imposed, you know, self-inflicted. I mean, you, yeah. you just you just have a unique drive and enthusiasm to say, "Hey, let let me add this and and bring it on." Not many people have that. Did you have somebody
1: that instilled that in you? Was there a coach? Was there a mentor or is that just kind of how you're wired? So, it was absorbing it from all these all these people growing up. So, I I, I mean, I'm super fortunate with where I am. I didn't have to worry about debt. I didn't have to worry about a lot of things people have to worry about. And I grew up in a world that people just owned businesses. People just created whatever they wanted to create. There was no, it was just imagination at that point. If you wanted something, you could go get it. That's how I was raised. A lot of people aren't even raised to, to believe that that's the case. So they start behind from the very beginning. So I was in a really fortunate position. And then I had two, kind of a blend of two people. I had my father, who is not traditional male. He's, he's very loving, very caring, very thoughtful, very, very soft spoken, always making jokes. Um, just really, really loving father figure. And then I had my friend's father, who was uh, just a piece of work. I mean, just, you could not please the guy. He'll never say good, he'll, good job. He's just the traditional male. You know he he's climbed six of the seven summits and been to Antarctica, been to North Pole. I mean he's just had this crazy life, built these enormous businesses worth more money than than I I, I you don't know how much money this guy has because he doesn't show it, but you mm-hmm. know it's there. Still wears the same clothes he wore fifteen years ago though. Um, I worked for him in Montana. That's where I worked because I borrowed money from him. So he he lent me three hundred dollars for my uh, aquarium. Um, my aquarium at the time, I wanted to take my freshwater aquarium to saltwater. So I was talking to him about it while I was at my friend's house and he called me up that day after I left and said, I'll loan you the money with interest. And so I'll give you the money now. I'll give you the few hundred dollars now in cash. If you come up to Montana and work, you know, I'll pay you $10 an hour. Plus I think it was uh, maybe 30, $30 interest, you know, three hours interest. And then after that, once you pay it off, I'll pay you. So, I went up there and I got that, that work ethic instilled in me hmm. to, at a level I'd never, I'd never been exposed to before. So that's where I really picked up the, just the backbreaking hard work side of things that a lot of people I grew up with never got. They never got that humbling um, while they were growing up that said, you know, hey, this is, this is, you think that's work? No, this is work. And this is, you know, no one's going to thank you. Hmm. No one's going to care about you. You're just out there doing it. Um, so it was a combination of, of of having him, having my dad, being able to blend those two things, and then being uh, being around people that had, had done it my whole life. I'm curious what your dad thought was was he surprised by your career path? You know, so you're saying,
0: all right, you're a tax attorney, white collar world. you yep. I could just go to school, Dad. I'm going to get in a
1: ditch with a shovel. That's what I want to do. So that's another area I've been very fortunate with. A lot of parents, they push their kids into a certain role. Maybe it's what they've done. Maybe it's what they think is best for them. My dad, the only career advice he's ever given me is don't go to law school. Mm. Not because he hates being a lawyer. He loves being a lawyer. It's, it's so aligned with who he is. And it's just he, he's so fulfilled because he loves his work. He loves the challenge of what he does. But he knew that I would hate it because it's so against my personality. He knew I couldn't just sit still. From a very young age, he knew I'd, I'd hate what he does. So that was the only career advice. He said, don't, don't be a lawyer. Otherwise, he never told me what to do.
0: How cool is it, though, that your dad, instead of trying to offset some kind of insecurity. A lot of parents do this. I mean, they they try to shape their kids not necessarily into who their kids need to be, but into who they want them to be Mm -hmm. to meet something that has to do with their ego and their insecurities. And instead of actually going, no, this is how my child's wired. Let me breathe life into that. And it sounds like he really did that.
1: He he did it to a T and I didn't really understand his his genius um, until recently when I, you know, he's just had to back away from me from raising me really, and and just kind of kept me within, within bounds, but just let me go. He hasn't, he hasn't ever been there whenever I screw up or anything like that. And then my mother too, she's just let me do my thing. So mm-hmm. she's never told me what to do. She's never told me where to go. She's never told me what time to be home. They've just trusted me to do the right thing. And when you, when you trust your kid, I think you just, it, it's a lot healthier than it when you have something. all these restrictions. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Hmm.
1: yeah.
0: So you, you jump in and you're working these different jobs in construction yep sounds like you started realizing man there's some really cool people that are doing this stuff but they don't have a voice absolutely and and you really took it on
1: yourself to give them a voice and they the funny thing is they don't necessarily want a voice so they, they don't they don't their story's not out there because they have no desire to put it out there they're just they're the most humble people I know all the business owners we work with, They're, they're, they're worth more money than most other people I've ever met. You know, some very powerful real estate people and doctors and all the traditional, the Mm. people that you traditionally think have money. Some of the business owners we know have just more money than you know what to do with. Yeah, you'd never know it. They don't, they don't talk any differently. They don't dress any differently. They don't, they don't act any differently. They don't sit at the head of the Mm. table. They're as humble as it gets because this industry, this work, it just beats you down and humbles you. It, you can't have this enormous ego. Um, You see
0: how a spotlight needs to be shined on this. I mean, it's not necessarily just the people, but it's the ideals, right? Yeah. I mean, it's what America was built on, hard work, rolling up your sleeves. Correct. Not being bougie. I mean, we've gotten really comfortable. We've got all our creature comforts. Yep. You know, everything is on demand. Um, But there's this whole undercurrent in our country that nobody sees of really hardworking people who are busting their tail every day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so that story, whether they like it or not, it needs to get out there because now they've gotten away with not telling their story for up until now uh, they've just been in the shadows and they like the shadows like i said they're 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 humble they're 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 just doing their thing and they're not doing it for anyone else they're just doing it because they love to be there if you don't love this industry it's going to chew you up and spit you out you're not going to make it very far so they love being there they haven't told their story however now these people have started to retire There's these older people, the average age in construction, average age mining, average age in blue-collar world, it started to creep up, creep up, creep up. And now these people are retiring. They're leaving. And you don't have a whole lot of young people coming at the bottom. Hmm. So how do you solve that? Well, you have to get the stories out there. You have to... Educate people on what this industry actually does, how important it really is. No one, you know, despite all the technology, despite all the, the bouginess in society, no one could function without it. You couldn't turn the lights on. You can't shower in the morning. You can't drive to work. You wouldn't, you know, you want to talk about healthcare workers and how important they are right now. That's fantastic. They are important. But what's a healthcare worker without a hospital mm. or without power, without water? That's what we do. That's what we provide, you know, the three basic human needs, food, water, shelter. Mm. That's what this industry does, and it's not going away. You can't outsource it. You can't out-innovate it. It's just, it's always going to be there. You always need people to do it. Yeah, it's a very practical
0: component that we, we take for granted. Totally uh, take it for granted. Because it's just been established that this is just how things are, but we forget yeah. that it they, they didn't just show up, these buildings that we work in
1: and live in. No, you know, people in cities, we just think it happens, You turn the lights on, you flip the switch, the lights go on. That's just how it happens. Well, it's not just how it happens. There's a lot of people behind just that reality. It's a privilege just to have consistent power. A lot of countries don't even have that. A lot Mm. of places all over the world don't even have consistent power. We have that. We've just accepted it as a basic right, a basic uh, just human principle in this country. It's just not the case. So we go out. And we see, I tell people, we kind of peek under the hood of America. We see how it really works. We go to the steel mills. We go to the coal mines. We go to the, the tunnels under Chicago. And we see what really happens beneath the surface to make all the prettiness that everyone else sees happen. Hmm. You know, one of the things
0: we get a lot in, in feedback about this podcast is we'd like to have not just the, the big names and thought leaders about leadership in this space, but real business owners just like you. We'd like to hear them Talk about their business, how they started it, what they're doing, yeah. you know, boots on the ground kind of thing. And so I'm, I'm curious, like, when you started this, what were the early days like when y- you have this dream and clearly this passion, uh, but that doesn't guarantee immediate success? What, what was some of the early struggle getting this thing off the ground?
1: So when I, when I started, I went to work for a construction company, and then I went to work for a construction software company. They found me. I started posting on social media. It started to get a little traction. So they found me online. They said, hey, we have this program you know, uh, all about trying to get people into the blue collar world. We want you to, to run it. And I said, that's awesome. So I went down there. I made it a few months. It, it just didn't work out. They're, they wanted to do it one way. I said, well, no, I think we should do it this way. And they said, well, we're the ones paying for it, so you're going to do it this way. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to go do it my way. I quit. Um, called my dad, said, hey, dad, I, I quit my job, moving in with you, by the way. you know, I'm coming home Friday. I was in Texas at the time, packed up, broke my lease, moved in with my dad, so I didn't have to pay rent, no expenses whatsoever. And then sat there and said, all right, you know, I have this little social media following. I've proven the concept. People are hungry for these stories. Now I need to go find the stories. So I started... Reaching out to businesses, construction businesses online that I'd followed, and just said, "Hey, you know, this is this is who I am. I'm this 22 year old kid. I don't know much, but I love dirt. I want to come see you guys move dirt. Can I come out and maybe take some pictures of it and share it online?" Uh, most people said, "You know, kick rocks." Some people said, "Come on out." Hmm. So I'd be driving you know on a uh, just random tuesday now that I didn't have a job from arizona to california 6 hours started 2 in the morning make it out there for sunrise spend 2 hours on site and then drive home you know in the afternoon so i didn't have to pay for a hotel room or or anything it was just as bare bones as it as it could be would get those stories and and would share them on online and then these companies they started to see what we were doing they're like you know this is actually pretty cool so could you do this for us and i said Absolutely. I could do it for you. You're going to have to pay me. And they said, mm. well, how much? And I just started making up numbers. I said, yeah, th- you know, <laughs> uh, this or that. And, and we started. Because you know, initially, I mean, you're doing these kind of pro bono or almost as a hobby initially. I mean, you're doing yes, it because it's fun. Yes. And when you shared that, what were the stories? I mean, it was footage of the job site? Yeah, but it was, it was a lot of it from, from me personally. So I'm just this kid that loves the industry, that's learning a lot. So it's me, from my perspective, my personality, sharing what I'm learning. Okay. So yeah, there's this earth-moving operation in Southern California. Here's why they're moving the dirt. Here's what it takes to build a whole subdivision. You can't just build a house on a slope. You have to go grade it. You have Mm. to go put a lot of effort into reshaping the earth to accommodate those homes in the first place. That's the kind of storytelling. Or, hey, there's this guy. He's an awesome guy. Here's how he started. Here's where he's at now. Here's what he loves to do. And here's here's why he loves to do it. So uh, it was about people. It was about companies. It was about projects. It was about equipment. It was about the intricacies of of how these projects come together, but all from my perspective. Mm. So I really tried to leverage just me being this kid that loved it, loved it from a young age. And I've tried to try weave that into everything we do, so it became a business. I had some savings, so, so it kind of created a
0: little platform. Yeah, and then these business owners are going, "Hey, we'd like to actually do this for real."
1: Exactly. Yeah, and it it just kind of naturally progressed. So I didn't have this genius plan. I just thought, well, you know, maybe I'll go out and take some pictures, tell some stories. But the the bigger vision um, has really formed by going out to all these job sites. So now it's been it's been years of. Every single week on planes, driving hours and hours and hours, going sometimes weeks to five different states in a single week from, you know, some rural, rural area in Indiana to a downtown hot, you know, downtown Chicago, 12 stories up across the Sears Tower in a single day. Um, Seeing all these, all these job sites, meeting all these people, getting a peek under the hood of all these construction companies, and then starting to connect all the dots. Hey, here's the problems. Here's what we need to do. Hey, guys, here's, here's the path forward because I've seen more of the industry than anyone else has in the past three years. So now I have this clarity uh, to look at it and, and a different lens to look at mm. it through than anyone else does. And I can say, all right, here's the path. Here's where I'm going. Are you going to come with me? If not, that's okay. You can go over there. We'll go over here. We'll compare notes in 10 years. I know I'm right. So you'll get on board one of these days, um, but that's what we do. So it- It grew from just me taking pictures. I just bought a Sony camera. It was the biggest expense of my life, a few thousand dollars. I just, and I destroyed it two weeks after I bought it. So that was (laughs) awesome. Um, Me just running around the country, taking pictures. And then, you know, someone would say, well, do you do websites? And I said, I do websites? Absolutely. When I, I don't even, I still don't know anything about building a website, but then you just you you call someone up or Dan who who I worked for um at that software company he had left he had left as well and so I'd call him up and say Dan I I just promised some guy in Tennessee that I'd make him a website I don't know how to make a website do you think we could do this and he says yeah sure we can we mm. can do something so then you just you find people that know how to build websites you throw it together and pray it all ends up great at the end of the day you know
0: what I love I mean this is a pure entrepreneur does not overplan and overthink and wait no. till they have it all figured out. No. And I, I think people are missing that today because there's so much information, and we get caught up in I've got to learn everything before I just go. Yeah, I've got to have all the product fully built out and established before I sell something and say yes. And you're saying yes, we'll do that. And then you hang up, and I've had this moment where you're like, uh, what do we just sell them? We got to figure out how to make make that come true, right? All, all the time. It's not a, it's not a lack of integrity. It's not a lack of being. Genuine about delivering on the promise, but when you overanalyze and you hesitate and you hesitate, you can hesitate for a decade and never actually ship anything. Yeah. And we talked about this the other day on the podcast with Seth Godin. It's just this idea of shipping like when in doubt, ship, go for it, say yes, follow that vision, and then you'll figure out all the stuff as you go
1: along on how you actually produce that thing. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. So many people, they ask me, you know, when's the right time to start business? I'm like, I don't know, tomorrow? Yeah. I, it's, there's never a right time. And, right. and you're not gonna, I didn't have this grand vision on day one. I just had to put one foot out there and put the next foot out there. And after years of really long days, lots and lots of plane rides, meeting thousands of people, going to all sorts of job sites, having to put up with all this nonsense that we do, you start to connect the dots and then ev- everything starts to come together. Like, okay, here's where we need to go. But I would have never found that had I not just started and put myself in a position where I needed to figure it yeah. out.
0: You know, I mean, what, what you're saying is really, you, you have to have passion more than you have to have a plan. Eventually, you know, we, we talk about needing to have a plan. Like Like it's not that plans are insignificant, but if you have to pick one, you got to have passion. Yeah. Right? You got to have fire for what you're doing. Okay, so you're talking about what you see in the industry, the problems that need to be solved. You're advocating, you're bringing these stories to life. When you talk about in 10 years from now, what are you hoping happens as a result of what you're doing?
1: So our, our higher purpose to our business, and this has been since really day one, is make the dirt world a better place. It needs to improve. It's very old school. It's been stuck in its ways for 40-plus years, 50-plus years, whatever it is. Things need to change. Things need to uh, advance. We need to start treating people better. We need to start investing in people. We need to start training people. We need to start just thinking about problems differently, approaching things from a different angle. So that's over the next 10 years. We've been in business for three. We're starting to gain some traction, starting to build a team. Really exciting stuff. We have a marketing business now. We're forming multiple companies, uh, helping these, these, our partner companies from different angles. They're all heavy construction and mining companies to ultimately just create that change in the industry. Show people that there's a better way to build things. You can, you can still, be just as profitable, if not more profitable. That's my argument. I'm not asking people to be less profitable. I'm asking them to be more profitable by thinking about their people, by mm. prioritizing their people, by investing in their people. And and hopefully we're inspiring new people to come into the industry. I just got a message this morning from a kid. Hey, I'm, I just started you know a construction program and I would have never found this industry had I not seen your guys' stuff online. Mm. And that is worth so much more than any check anyone can write me. I mean, people are writing us $100,000 checks plus, quite more than that nowadays. And, and the feeling of getting a, a check worth six figures still pales in comparison to some kids saying... Hey, I'm now in this industry because of you, and I thank you. This is this is really amazing. Or some guy, you know, while I'm out on a job site, stops his bulldozer, gets out of his machine to shake my hand and just say, "Hey, I just moved my family from this state to this state because I because of you. I found this company. I'm here now. I love it. I can't. I couldn't be happier. And I just want to shake your hand. Thank you. That's." that's real that's real impact that's real value that's real change across the industry so i just want to take that and just start amplifying it and start you know forcing this company or this industry to change so i want to find the companies That are on board with that, that are already treating their people right, that are hungry to invest in their people, that are thinking about things differently. I want to go help make them as successful as possible and go create the modern, you know, the blueprint for the modern business in this industry. And ultimately, at the end of the day, reform the entire industry as a result. Because if all these people are wildly successful, taking everyone's people, doing all the work, making all this money, everyone else is either going to just still be stuck in their ways and drop off or follow suit. So that's what we're doing.
0: Contrast for me when you talk about these companies that are treating their people really well, and and then there's this huge group of companies that are not. Yep. And and clearly you're saying you can actually be more profitable if you take care of your people. What what does that look
1: like? What are you telling them they need to be doing differently? It's all really simple stuff. The, 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 construction in the blue collar world in general it's it's very behind they don't invest in people they're they're always blaming the people you know blaming millennials blaming colleges blaming everyone else for their own problems they don't there's very little training benefits aren't that great pay you know it depends where you are but but it, it they're trying to squeeze their people they're mm-hmm. they're there's a lot of layoffs you know it just when you when everything's good you hire people when everything's not good you lay people off and and that's just the accepted norm so or if it's rainy for a week sorry guys we don't have work we're not going to you know it's their problem not our problem um or you know these these companies will come in they'll bid these jobs billion dollar job work everyone 7 days a week 24 hours a day just work nonstop, blow it out, make a ton of money, probably burn everyone out in the process, mm. but they don't care. They're just going to go on to the next town, do it all over again. So it's that, it's putting themselves first rather than putting their people first. That's the core problem. Of Some of these other industries have figured it out that, hey, maybe if we prioritize our people, they're excited to be here. They're more productive. And as a result, we make more money. Everyone's better off. They're better off. We're better off. Wow, that, mm. that makes a lot of sense. So we're... For me personally, I'm trying to create a business that puts our people first. Everything we do is our people, our people, our people, care for our people. I believe an employer needs to give their people everything before expecting everything in return. The industry, they expect everything from their people before they give them anything. Mm. It's like it's just this entitlement that drives me nuts because I give you a paycheck. I deserve all of this in return. Reality is me as a 25-year-old kid, I can go get a paycheck anywhere. I mean, coronavirus changed things a little bit, but I've seen all the options out there. I don't need to work for you anymore. It's a it's 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 not an employer's market anymore. It's a it's it's all the powers in in the people. So that's what we're really trying to do is is as as a business, just give our people everything before we expect everything in return. Do we have high expectations? Absolutely, but I'm going to give them everything I have before I say, hey, can you give me a lot in return? And then also um, that's the kind of company we work with. We want to work with the companies that do the same thing and all come together and say, all right, guys, let's go do this. Let's go reform the industry. I imagine the byproduct of treating your people like that is just this
0: massive loyalty. Yeah. And and you really can pick and choose who's going to work with you. Yeah. Because a lot, you know, a lot of people in this space, are, hey, you can't find good work. But if you want to find the top 10%, you can you can find them if you create this this mechanism like a magnet almost right like this place is known for treating people right and you, and so it's kind of like a symbiotic like you can find the best people if you'll treat them like the best people is that what is that the, kind of the idea
1: it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy oh. yeah it all it all just comes together and that's the crazy thing is like going back to plan or something as a business owner i don't have a plan my plan is just do the right thing my plan is just treat people right my plan is just deliver value for our partners my plan is just make the dirt world a better place that's the plan that's the business plan the money miraculously is working out pretty well for us because we're prioritizing just delivering value and taking care of people. And, and all our people, they're extremely motivated. They're delivering phenomenal results all the time. They're going above and beyond for our, our partners without me having to tell them to do so. They're happy. They're they're relieved to be with us, which has been the most most confusing thing to me. I think I'm so naive. I think the way we do things is just normal. Yeah, of course we would treat our people right. Of course we would have great benefits. Like that's just what people do. But they come in our business. They're like, well, we we've never had this before. Or I've I've never even been able to make my own decisions. I'm like, well, you better get used to it because you got to make your own decisions yeah. around here. So let's let's hurry it up here. But I I don't even understand. The rest of the world doesn't work that way, which just it it amazes me because it's been so beneficial for well, us. It's kind of just been ingrained for decades yes that, that's
0: just how it is and and really you're you're changing the story you're saying hey what just because that's how it's been doesn't mean it has to stay that way you know you talked to a lot of people in construction as especially employers managers you'll hear things like well yeah training but guys that uh, that drive dump trucks they just don't read books or guys that dig ditches uh, they don't listen to podcasts you know they're they're not those kind of people um, yet we know that reading and learning and listening to new ideas is the key to personal transformation for any employee. Yeah, Anybody that wants to be better at their job, whether you dig ditches or you sit at a desk and a computer all day, uh, how do you, how do you integrate some of these things that we're used to maybe in what we call the white collar world and get that into the trenches with people that are picking up a shovel every morning and, and do it in a way that's compelling for them. How do, how do we help them learn and grow and develop, um, and, and have a vision for their life that's bigger than just, you know, if, if that's where they are and they want to go somewhere, actually helping them create that path. The,
1: the funny thing is people, they categorize intelligence as getting A's on tests. That's not, that's not the end all be all for being smart. That's yeah. not the end all be all for success. Some of the most of the happiest people I know, most of the most fulfilled people I know, most of the, the best family people I know and, and the most spiritual people, they're all in the blue collar world. They're all there. I look at my friends in these white-collar industries, I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them having to dress up every day and work for people that they hate and look forward to Friday every single week and call people that they don't want to talk to. They're doing all the stuff that they just have – no interest in, and yet I go look at this entire other group of people. They're solving problems every single day. They're collaborating with one another. They're 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 adding value to the world. They're, they're, there's this different level of learning and intelligence in their world. There's when I when I ask a blue collar person, one of these folks, what what do you like about your job? Nine times out of ten, they're going to say, "No two days are the same." Hmm. No two days are the same. There's always new challenges to overcome. There's always new lessons to learn. There's always a better way to do something. They're always learning, but they're learning not from books, not from traditional learning means in a classroom. They're learning with their hands. They're learning by doing. They're learning by screwing up. They're learning by talking to one another. They're learning by watching. Just very fundamental ways of learning, but it's still learning and it's still mastering craft nonetheless, and they're very happy as a result. But to to answer the original question, how to bring them into some other mediums, that's what we've done with like our own podcast, Dirt Talk. It's about not saying, hey, I'm more refined. I'm, oh, I've, I've gone to college. I I'm, you know, white collar. My dad's an attorney. I grew up well off. If I told them that, they'd tell me to screw myself pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Instead... I approach them with just humility. I meet them where they are and I, I deliver, I try to deliver value from where they are. So, how can I deliver value to some guy in the field that most of our audience has never listened to a podcast before? We've, we've created thousands of new listeners that have never listened to any kind of podcast. We've been the very first one. How many, how many podcasts can say that, that they're actually converting like people, introducing people to the
0: space, introducing yeah.
1: people to podcasts in 2020 huh. doesn't happen very often. Yet that's, that's the majority of audiences, people that have, I, what, what, what is a podcast? How do I do that? Well, it's,
0: it's probably already, what is it? why do they want to listen? I mean, why are they, t- when they've had these options to listen to podcasts for years now, what is it? That they're attracted to when you tell them this is why you need to listen
1: because they've they've been following following me and and they've seen the value I've brought them via Instagram or Facebook or whatever it may be or or in the field when we're talking about it yeah I want I want to talk about that or they they hear other people that they work with that they can relate to talking about it as well but we just have. It's just dirt talk. I'm not trying to outsmart anyone. I'm not trying to provide a product for me. I'm trying to deliver value for them. Who do they want to listen to? Let's bring on construction business owners. Let's bring on operators. Let's bring on, you know, I'm working, trying to get the Caterpillar historian on to talk about how Caterpillar was started and the history of these tractors and deliver them information about what they love and enjoy and have been doing their whole lives, but maybe they've never had access to. So that's that's what I'm trying to do is 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 just meet them where they are and and deliver value from their perspective. So as a result of this following,
0: you've got all these business owners in the construction space now calling you saying, "Hey, we we need some help. We need exactly. to find good people we're trying to recruit, you know, passionate people that want to work at a place like this. It sounds like the ones that are already treating their people really well, they're raising their hand. They're saying, "Hey, we're one of those kind of companies. We want to join this movement you're creating, but but help us find the other people. You've got a megaphone with your podcast. Help us find the kind of laborers who want to work at an organization like this. Is that kind of how it's working?
1: Exactly. Okay. So I I joke when when we're trying to sell people in marketing, I say we're a marketing agency. Primary, that's our primary business. With a zero dollar, we don't spend any money on marketing." Because we just tell stories, and our our marketing strategy is telling the stories of the companies that we work with, not even talking about ourselves. I I I talk about it with my personality from my perspective, but I'm always talking about our partners. Like this morning, I I posted a post about bulk equipment, highlighting why I just love their business model because it's so different. That's the marketing strategy. So, now we reach millions of people every week with these these dirt photos that have never been on the internet before. That not only people in the industry enjoy, but anyone can enjoy. Like my mom's always saying, "Man, that 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 photo the other day was just something else." Hmm. That's awesome. I'm I'm getting other people. It's just it's cool. It's it's I don't have to work very hard to sell it. I'm not peddling legal documents. I'm peddling enormous trucks. I'm peddling huge Earth movers, bulldozers, all sorts of fun stuff that anyone can get behind. So we're, we're putting that out there. People are seeing it and they're thinking, I want that for my business. And so they're reaching out to us and they, they oftentimes they say, we don't even know what you guys do, but we, can, we, we want that. So can you do that for us? And our sales process is, is more so, it's, it's a two-way street. Them vetting us and all right, okay, well, here's how the dollars break down. Is that going to work for our business? And us vetting them. We want to make sure that they already have a great story to tell, that they do treat their people right, that they are the future of the industry, that they don't already direct com- directly compete with, with a, an existing partner of ours. And so once we, you know, we have criteria, if everyone, if they meet that criteria, we sign them on, we bring them into the partnership, and then we help them tell their story. But we turn down a majority of the companies that come our way because we only want to be working with those companies that are going to make the dirt world a better place long term. It would be really easy to compromise on that a little bit, especially when money's involved. But I'm, and Dan talks about this, you know, people have tried to beat us up on price and he just kind of, he laughs. He's like, you're not going to be able to beat Aaron up on price. I'm not, I was around money and I've I've, I've seen it. Uh, I approach it, it's just a tool. I'm not motivated by it. I'm not enamored by it. I'm not controlled by it. It's just a tool to allocate it, to create new things in the world and to save time and to, to generate value. That's how I see it. So turning down money is probably the easiest thing I do because it's just if it doesn't align, it's out. And it's a slippery slope. If you go down that path, you're tempted. Even when we really need money, we've run out of money multiple times. Even when you really need that money, you're looking at that paycheck, that would solve all my problems. You do it once, you can't come back from that. And that'll jeopardize everything we're doing here. And I look at everything in a much bigger picture. Yes, we're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars and now millions of dollars now, but I want to go a lot bigger than that. So what's that decision really costing me? Is it really costing me that hundred thousand dollars? Or really is it really costing me that ten million dollars down the road? Oftentimes it's probably costing me that ten million. And so I can look at that, do the math in my head. All right, that's an easy decision. We're out. And when we've turned we've we've taken on some of those bad deals it haven 't gone well we got we took on so many we just had so much stupid stuff happen, especially the first year we we didn't know this when we started on day one. We had to learn it through some bad experiences. but every time you get out of the bad experience this this new partner comes into play and it's just it's like this perfect marriage and you 're just sitting there kicking yourself like, what was I doing? Hmm. Why did I just trade why, why couldn't I trade? This money for, for just a little less money for something that's so much more enjoyable. So um, as, a, as a company, being that disciplined has been pretty easy for us. I've never met
0: somebody that has this much fire and zeal and passion for Dirt and people who work with dirt. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> but it, and it sounds crazy if you've never experienced it. The funny thing is, we just had our company meeting here two weeks ago in Nashville. So everyone came in, we met in person. I think that's really, really important, especially for a young company. Mm-hmm. We need to meet face to face. We need to form this culture, especially going into twenty twenty one. Who knows what's going to happen next year? We need to be as strong as possible as a unit going into a year of of quote unquote uncertainty, like everyone likes to say. So what I, I, I want to be that agency that really speaks the language of the industry. I want to give our people who've never been exposed to it a taste of it. So we talked to the local Caterpillar dealership and said, hey, can we rent a few machines? And they said, come on down. That sounds great. So they, they rented us some skid steers, a little bulldozer, some excavators. And we took everyone down there. I didn't tell anyone. We told them we were going down the cat dealership for a, a team photo. We show up and we say, hey, actually, we're spending the next few hours running these things. They'd never been in equipment before. Really? I mean, almost half our team's women now. So it's not even all these big burly dudes. We're... we're None of these people have really been in the blue-collar world. You should have seen their faces. They, they loved it. They had so much fun. They were laughing the entire time. They were, they were, it's more engaged as, as a single group than I've ever seen people before. And then they were talking about it after, and then they were saying, man, I, just, I view everything so differently now. So people that have never been exposed to it, that didn't have any prior passion for it at all, they get a little taste of it. And then they're like, I get it. I get it. This is really, really something. So it's not that I just, I do love it and I've always loved it and uh, this is what I'm going to be doing, but it's something that anyone can love, anyone can enjoy, no matter man, woman, child. It's just across the board, cool.
3: Hey, your small business has a lot of the same challenges that mega corporations do, but without a huge finance team to solve them. I mean, who has time to juggle different apps and programs to manage your cash flow? Well, that's where Found comes in. It's business banking plus easy-to-use financial tools all to simplify small business finances. Found has all the features you want in a business bank account and none of the stuff you don't. No minimum balance, no opening deposit, and no hidden fees. You can sign up for Found in just minutes. It's easy to access on desktop or mobile, and you can customize your account to organize and manage your funds. Plus, you can create and send free invoices right from the app so you can get paid quickly and easily. It's time to move on to better business banking. Designed to help small business owners succeed, it's time for Found. Get started today for free at found.com slash entree. That's found.com slash entree. Found is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services are provided by Piermont Bank, member FDIC.
1: I mean, you
0: really have this, this gift of introducing people, right? Showing people things. You have a vision for something. You have a vision for what's going on in the space, and you realize, I could show America this is what it looks like. You have a vision for how fun it is to work with dirt. I can show my employees through an experience this is how cool this thing is. You know, I'm curious, as you're building your company, so you've got a team, you're hiring, you're imparting this passion into them, you're developing them so that you can replicate yourself because obviously this thing for you to achieve the 10-year dream, I mean, you, you've yep. got to scale and build a team. Yep. How are you keeping the reins on the culture? How are you making sure that those filters of who gets to work with your organization, mm-hmm. um, when people show up, that they've got the same passion and, and really a desire to make the difference that, that you want to make? Because, yeah. you know, you just hire the wrong person and all of a sudden that impacts the culture and it it's kind of spins we, out. So we,
1: we've done that. We've, we've learned, uh, you know, we did that a few times this year. We had to learn that lesson for the first time. But as, as we've grown, so we're, we're about uh, a little over 20 full-time people now, up from we just hired number six this time last year. So it's been a lot of growth, especially in this year. Very exciting, very fortunate position that yeah. we're in. So it's, it's, it's a few things. It's one being just very honest about what we're doing. So we're putting ourselves out there, telling the story about the company, who we are, how we do it, and just getting it out there. So when they come in the door, they already know everything about us. So everyone knows everything about us from from day one, whether they're working with us, whether it's hiring us, or whether they're working for us. So we get that story out there so we don't have to explain, here's what we're doing and here's why we're doing it. They already know that because we're honest with everyone we interact with at all times. So ideally, they already know that. Then I've spent a lot of time on our mission and values. I've probably spent more time thinking through our values than anything else I've ever worked on my entire life. Just if you, if I was boiled down, just a single thing I've worked on, that's it. I've worked on a year and a half of just really thinking through hmm. what do I believe in, what does the company believe in, and what what are what's our operating system. Once you have that defined, then you can give everyone the. Then they know. Okay. This is what I'm. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is how I'm supposed to act. Do I align with that on day one? If they don't, you know, hey, probably not for you. And and then now while they're at our company, they can operate based on that operating system that's already been defined and explained and instilled and trained into them. I spend so much time talking about our values, talking about our values. When someone exemplifies one of our values, the first one to call it out, like. Lori, the other day, she bought flowers for a partner of ours. Her dad's going through a hard time right now. So I, I saw on the card, you know, some flowers in San Francisco. I'm like, what's this? Like, is someone buying flowers in San Francisco with our card? So I, I asked Lori, did you buy flowers? Yeah, I bought flowers for, for our partner. I didn't have to tell her mm. to be a friend, but that's one of our values. Be a friend. She was a friend. Mm. She was a, just going above and beyond for one of our partners, really caring for them. I call that on the team call. Hey, Lori, thank you for being a friend. That was really cool of you to exemplify that value and reinforce that value. And most importantly, I need to make sure I live every single value 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I cannot skip out on a single one of our values. No matter where I go, no matter who I'm talking to, no matter who's there watching me, especially when no one's watching me, I need to make sure that I am living that that, that culture first and foremost. So that's that's really how we've done it so far. And, how did you get, I talked to 45-year-old, 55-year-old business owners who still don't have the
0: core values together. You're 25 years old, you've got your values, you've spent a year and a half on them, you've got them dialed in, you're using them as filters for hiring and also for celebrating your team. What The conviction about values and, and being this dialed in on why they matter I mean we're we're preaching this all the time on this podcast. Yeah. When did you link up how significant that is? Because it's massive.
1: Um, my first year in business. So no one had I, I never really had exposure to values before that. None of the companies I worked with had values and the 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 common values in construction are like integrity, safety, safety. respect. It's like <laughs> right? what what is just integrity? Super like, generic. Yeah. How does that help me as a per like I don't even know how to what what you're just gonna tell me to to be integrity? Like not not mm. explaining it, not, so Um, I, I, I identified that as one of the key problems in the industry that there's no real values, no real purpose. So before I go tell companies that they need a value and purpose, I need to go do it myself. I need to practice what I preach. So that's when I started to dive into companies that I really, really respect, like, like whole foods, like the container store, like Patagonia, common thread between them all. They all stood for something higher than money. And they all had an operating system. And they didn't just have an operating system, but it was unique to them. It was very well thought out. It was very well defined. And then not only that, but they trained on it. Mm -hmm. They hired on it. They fired on it. That was everything to them. And so I saw that and I said, okay, well, if all these companies are doing it, they're doing okay for themselves. I respect these companies. I look up to these companies. Well, that's what we're going to do too. So it's taken me a year and a half of really chewing on them, kind of living them, seeing where they 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 sit. Some people, I know, they, they just wrote them down. Okay, this is it. Whereas I've had to really think through them, modify them, make them our own. And and after we've kind of played around with them over the past year and a half, I think they're they're dead on. They're 100% now. I think that's
0: the right way to do it. You know, when people just write them down to kind of complete an exercise so that they can have values. Yeah. Yeah, you really miss there's a lot of thinking that should go into it. Uh, why do I value this? What am I willing to walk away from business for? We talked about that earlier. Yep. You know, your inner core convictions you kind of have to think through some of your own stories and experiences, even how you grew up, what you've always you know, cared about in the world, things that drive you crazy. A lot of thought should go into these to get to the kind of the central. This is what I really value. And I think taking time with that is, is really
1: important. It's essential. I mean, it's like buying a shirt. You don't just, yep that shirt looks good. I'll take it. You're going to probably go try it on. Like, make sure it fits. Make sure you look good. Like, that's mm. what you want to do. Your values. You want to, okay, I, I think I like that. And then you want to go try it on. You want to go see how it plays out. You want to talk to people in your organization. You want to, it, it, we were small, but I involved everyone in the conversation. You know, hey, here's what I came up with. What do you guys think about this? Like at our first company meeting this time last year mm-hmm. with five of us at the time, we went through our values. And I remember one, we had work hard, play hard up there. You know, just, it's a common phrase. We all discussed, we were like, that's not really us. You know, it, and the, the more th- that morning, you know, three or four or five of us were up at five in the morning, you know, going for run in, in the cold, dark, natural morning. Like, no, we just, we don't really play hard. We just kind of work and we're just, we're just quiet and we're just doing our thing. Like that's not really us. So we're able to, yeah, let's, let's get rid of that. And let's, let's rethink that. And now, you know, after, after seeing how they played out, I, I couldn't be mm. happier about them. And I couldn't, Dan and I just talked about this this morning. We did a, a little internal podcast with, with him and I kind of, recapping the year, one of the most satisfying, if not the most satisfying and gratifying thing about this entire year is not the money. It's not the partners, not, the, not even the impact. It's seeing our culture and our values start to really materialize and start to really take hold without me being there a lot of times. People just mm-hmm. doing things that I would like them to do without me ever having to even hint at it. It's just happening because we've spent so much time being intentional about it from yes. day one. And that's a big thing for me, too, is we're investing very heavily at the front end. We're spending a lot of time on that core foundation because we know we want to scale aggressively. And so we're preparing. I'm looking at it like we're already at $100 million company. So I'm creating the infrastructure. To accommodate that hundred million dollar company, so when we grow to that, it's not—it's going to be painful, right. but it's not terrible, and it's not excruciating. Well, you won't have to reinvent yourself to get there. No, right? I mean you got to reinvent your
0: leadership, you got to transform personally, but you don't have to reinvent like you're saying the operating system. And so many companies grow in spite of not having an operating system. Yep. Then they get to fifty, hundred employees and they're dying. I mean they're not dying from a cash flow standpoint, but they're ju- they're just bottlenecked on their growth and they're miserable and everybody's there's all this infighting and nobody knows mm-hmm. what to do because they don't have that operating system. Yeah. And I think it's so key what you're saying like get this thing early and then the fruits of that. I mean the the whole thing of like people are making the right decision without me there. I'm coaching leaders all the time on this idea of advancing decision making to the front lines. Because if you have to make all the decisions as the leader, you're screwed. Because the bottleneck on your business is going to be your calendar and your time and that's going to run out. Totally. But if you can what what you're talking about is, hey, here's how you make decisions based on values. And so you in a way you have made the decision as the leader. You just don't have to be there to execute
1: on the decision. Absolutely. Somebody's executing on what you value. Well, and one of our values is make decisions with, the, with an exclamation point. Mm. You are empowered. It's so important making decisions around here that it's a value. You're empowered to make decisions. You're not only empowered to make decisions, you're expected to make decisions. That's a basic expectation of working here. And it's accompanied with a quote uh, by, by, I believe it's Roosevelt. In any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is make the right decision. Next best thing you can do is make the wrong decision. The worst thing you can do is make no decision. Hmm. So I try to educate people on if you're doing the right thing, if you're doing what you genuinely believe is right, it turns out to be the wrong thing. We're behind you 110%. So, we'll go to bat for you every single time. I would rather you make the wrong decision, assuming you were doing what you thought was right, than make no decision at all.
0: A lot of business owners, I think we hear that. We like the idea of advancing decisions, but it can be hard to trust that it's going to be the right decision or that someone's not going to make a decision that embarrasses us or screws up a deal with a customer or whatever. And, you know, I think you have to be willing to take on some mistakes. Absolutely. You know, because otherwise, how do people learn how How do you develop that trust to really lengthen the rope and say, "Hey, you've you've got the autonomy to make the decisions. I'm going to have your back," without walking away from that conversation, going, "Oh God, I don't know if I can trust them to do that."
1: Yeah. Well, it, it's we give them so much upfront, and we we just give them absolute trust. I don't believe in the phrase "trust but verify" because if you're having to verify, you're not trusting. So it's 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 an oxymoron. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's just I'm going to give you all of my trust on day one, I'm going to give you, again, going back to, I'm going to give you everything I got before I expect yours in return. And when people see, wow, they really are, they really are trusting me. Then they have that, then, then now the onus is on them that I better not screw this up. I better not take advantage of this. And, but you have to, from a very genuine sense, give them that trust. And, and this is where my age comes into play and is an enormous asset. I'm 25 years old. I don't know what I don't know. I'm very naive. I'm very ignorant. I don't even know what I don't know. I can't tell people what to do. I just, I have to trust them. I don't mm-hmm. have a choice. I can't tell them how to do their job because like I was joking about earlier about building websites, that's not a joke. I don't know how to build a website and yet that's an enormous part of our business is developing websites. I don't know how to do it. I don't need to know how to do it. We have great people that know how to do it and I trust them to do the right thing. And and so now I, I'm not, I'm not messing with people. I'm a, I'm, I am really am having to I'm, – I'm trusting them genuinely, mm. and then I'm also having to trust them because I don't know how to do what they do. I love the way you look at
0: it. I'm, I'm curious how you look at what you do do. Like what's the thing that only Aaron does or only Aaron can do when you're so good at delegating all these other things? I mean because you, you clearly play a
1: central role. Yeah. What is the role? What I'm good at, and I've thought about this a lot, you know, early on, the role was everything. I was the guy. And people think that is the business, is just me running around taking pictures. Now that's that's almost none of the business anymore. That's just for fun. What my my role is, is two things. One, here's the vision. Here's where we need to go. Here's why we need to go there. Here's why this is important. Lay out that higher purpose and define it and and allow people to almost see it and feel it before it's reality. And, and make sure the ship is headed in that direction. That's one. Two, operate the business. I'm very good at operating a business. I'm good at, at making sure the accountants are where they need to be, the contracts are where they need to be, the, the insurance is squared away. I'm creating the business behind the scenes that most people don't even know exists at our company to make sure that they can just do what they're good at. If they're a developer, we bring you in, you be a developer. That's what you're good at. That's what you want to do. That's all you need to worry about. Everything else is taken care of. So you don't have to worry about it anymore. We hire a lot of people that, that go off and be freelancers. Being a freelancer, it sounds so cool. Wow, my own boss. I can do whatever I want. They do it for a little bit. And then they start to realize there's a lot of stuff here that I didn't really think about that I have to worry about that like accounting and, and I don't know. I have to go sign this contract. I don't even know what I'm signing or what's, what's an NDA or mm. insurance? Like they don't realize all the infrastructure that they need. So then they come back into our business and I just say, we're hiring you to do what you're best at. Everything else is taken care of. You don't have to worry about it. So that's, that's really my role now is, is selling the vision, selling it to the industry. Selling it to everyone that does business with us, selling it to our people. It's just sell, sell, sell. Here's the vision. Here's the vision. Here's the vision. Nonstop. That's all I do. And then make sure the business is where it needs to be. The dollars are where they need to be. Legal is where it needs to be. Everyone's protected. The business is safe. I'm doing estate planning right now. Cause what if I, what if I go get hit by a bus tomorrow? I want people to know that even if the guy goes away, everything's still intact. Mm. It's still there even even as young as we are. So, so I'm really spending a lot of time operating the business and then, uh, and then setting the infrastructure in place. We spend a lot of money on accountants right now, a lot of money on lawyers that we don't need to, but I know that infrastructure needs to be there to go where we're headed. You talk about vision,
0: sell the vision, sell the vision, sell the vision. How do you define vision and, and vision casting?
1: It's just telling people where we're headed and why we're going there. Um, It's really just sharing the insights that I've learned because I'm the guy that's seen all the job sites and met all the people and has been able to connect the dots. It's just sharing those realizations with everybody. Here's what I've learned. Here's why I've learned it. Here's where the industry needs to go. And here's why, you have, to, you, have to, you have to show people where we're going and you also have to give them that why. Why are we doing it? Why are we going there? What's the benefit? To me, to the industry, to our partners, everyone involved, what's that, what's that why behind it? So it's that, it's just defining where we're going, why we're going there to everybody. Like early on in the business, that first year, we weren't actually selling a product. I was selling me, I was selling my vision. That that's why people were buying from us. They were buying services that didn't even exist. That had no, there was no portfolio. There was no data. There was no ROI I could point to. And yet people were giving me their money because I was selling the vision. Because I was that excited kid. They might have seen some a little bit of them in, and, and maybe he is onto something. Or I actually agree with them. Like that. That's a good point. Um, so they were they were buying the vision and all the people coming into our business too. I tell them there's risk to be here. We're not this big company that's safe. Nothing we do is safe. We're growing very aggressively. We're responsible. We're in a very financially responsible position and we share finances internally. So they know that for a fact. But nothing we do here is safe. But here's why. Here's that bigger purpose as to, as to why you're here. And here's hopefully enough to ease your nerves and... and <laughs> And, and, and give you that opportunity. And, and I told everyone in our company meeting last week, I said, where we're going, it's only down to your imagination. You can go and do whatever the heck you want to do, even if it's not everyone can be the owner of the company, right? That's maybe that's irrational, but you can go off on. we're starting all these other companies. For example, we're starting three new companies this year serving different functions for our partners. We need people to lead each one of those companies. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be doing it all. Or maybe you're a developer now. Maybe you want to get into photography. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, what's us you know, there's, 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 there's vertical and horizontal movement that's possible as we grow. So it's painting that picture too, for their own lives. Like, Hey, you really can live here for 40 plus years, have a wonderful career and maybe have multiple careers at the same spot. What you're
0: saying reminds me of, um, it was Shackelford and he had this expedition across Antarctica and this is back. I mean, this is over 100 years ago, right? But uh, he was the first guy that was going to go across Antarctica. And, you know, he put out the posting wherever he's at, I think Europe. And and the whole description of this voyage was, you know, certain danger, many will die, likely to run out of food and resources, but guaranteed adventure, you know? (laughs) And there's there's something about that that certain people are attracted to. And especially early in a business, you need this entrepreneurial, that's what Dave did here. You know, we didn't have a lot of money, a lot of resources, but he hired people who effectively were business owners. And he said, hey, I'm going to give you a piece of the action. You come in and you build this area out. I'm going to pay you like an owner. You're taking all the risk, but we're going to celebrate on the upside. And Mm -hmm. you're going to build this thing together with me. And we're going to go. It's us against the world, you know, and and you need the right kind of people. You don't need yes, man for that stage of it. You really don't need that ever. But especially when you're getting something off the ground, you need people who are entrepreneurial. It sounds like you're creating a very entrepreneurial environment.
1: Absolutely. I just want you know, find the right people, get out of the way. Yeah. Make sure they understand the vision. Give them the the tools that they need. Train them up to speak the language of our industry. But ultimately, just get out of the way. Just let them do what they need to do.
0: What's the hardest part or the biggest challenge for you at this stage?
1: For me, it's been the 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 cost to it that I didn't foresee on the personal side of things. So it's it's you being so dedicated and fixated on one thing at at a young age. Everyone else I know is just trying to find themselves. Is just kind of messing around, is is maybe even just buying a house and settling down. And and I'm in this fight that no one no one can understand. I'm on this own little island. It's mm-hmm. lonely. It's really really lonely. And since since I started all this, I've been through three relationships. They were all great, but it's just I'm not all that available right now, mm. and and I've had I've had more problems with my parents personally in the past three years than the rest of my life combined, and I'm sitting here scratching my head like, what's going on? Like what what changed? And then I sit there, I'm like, oh man, that's the business, mm. and it's it's not even that 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 I'm I'm being rude or, or anything like that. It's 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 you know like like for my dad, I've I've learned that it's just the there's like a feeling of a potential abandonment there that my kid is just really like, he's really running off now and he might just, I don't want him to just forget about me. And so there's been all these emotions there that I've had to deal with and figure out that I could have never foreseen. So it's that, it's that cost of doing business. That's not money. That's not screw ups. That's, that's that underlying cost that, that people talk about in business and you sit there and, and when you, before you get into it, you're like, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, no girlfriend, sign me up. I can do that. If I get to go have a business and go make some money, not a problem. And then you start to pay that tax and it starts to really sting. And that's when, you know, it, it's been, uh, I've had mental health issues the first time in life over the past few years, too. It's just, it's the anxiety. It's the, the monotony of every day. It's, it's having to work through all that, too, that all this is just drug up. It was all. It was all there, but but it's created an environment, this lonely world that that I've had to face a lot of these things that I've never faced before, and that's that's been the struggle for me.
0: How do you combat the loneliness? How do how do you find people like you who, who have this this thing this this blessing and this disease called entrepreneurship? Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's 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 a few, it's a few things I've learned. It's one just getting to know myself better. If I have me, I better get to know me. So I've been in therapy for the first time in my life for, for the past two years. Huge help. Just learning more about who I am, how I operate, and just getting more comfortable with me. So if I'm alone, that's okay because I, I like who I am. I like who I who I see when I look in the mirror. That's pretty cool. That's a good feeling. Um so that's been a big big piece is just approaching it from from an internal uh point of view. Externally We're fortunate enough to do business with business owners. So everyone we we work with, all these construction companies, we work with. Like yesterday, Reed Contracting. We had lunch with Mike Reed, the guy. You know, whoever names on the front door, that's who we do business with. And and I talk to these guys about that too. Like just, you know, kind of. Most of the time, I have to bring it up, and then it, it loosens them up a little bit because we work in a world that's not very comfortable talking about. Mental issues and and personal stuff. Well, and that any kind of, kind of weakness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very it's a very macho world. Sure. So so that's still a new concept. But when I talk about it, you know, they can relate, and and there's just an immediate conversation there that we can have because we we kind of know where each other are at in a deeper sense than than most everyone else can relate to us. So so it's a little bit of that, um, and it's it's just understanding all my friends, they're just, they're in different worlds and that's okay. You don't have to be in the same place as Mm -hmm. everyone else. You can, you can be doing different things. You can be valuing different things. You can, maybe you can grow apart. Maybe you can learn together. Um, so that's been a, a big thing too, is just understanding that, Hey, everyone is in a different spot and that's okay. I'm inspired just because you're, you know, I mean, you're talking about three years of essentially being married
0: to your business. But, dude, you're 25. I mean, you're building something that you're going to have more margin with your time. You're going to have more margin financially. I mean, there's going to be a season because this thing is in, you know, it's in whitewater mode. I mean, you're going through the rapids right now. And so you're putting 100% of you into this thing. And it's not like you've got little kids at home that you're neglecting, you know. But someday you're going to have the margin and the space and you're going to have this business and this operating system that you've built that's running this thing. And I don't think it has to be true. I hope it's not true. And I don't think it will be for you that the rest of your life, it's going to be this lonely and this um, one-legged stool, if you will, you know, where you're all in. I mean, you're, you're investing in something now that's going to grow up and afford you the opportunity to do everything you've dreamed about and have a very well-rounded life. And so if there's ever a season to do that,
1: I mean, your dude, you're mid-20s. Dude, you're killing it. And that's, that's how I view it. I've been given every opportunity – so now's the time to do it. And people have criticized me, like, you're not living it up. That's not what you're supposed to do in your 20s. I'm like, I'm living more life than you've probably lived your whole life in the past three years. Like, we've done some crazy stuff. I don't I can't squeeze any more into these days. They're they're full. And I I couldn't there's nothing else I want to be doing. Um it so it is it is tough, but it's not me it's not me groveling or looking for sympathy or anything like that. Like there's nothing I'd rather be doing. And Yeah, and, but I don't buy that. I mean, people saying you're not living it up, and especially if they're your peers. I mean, there's probably
0: some jealousy. There's probably some, I don't get it. I can't relate. Yeah. But you talk to people in their 40s and 50s who are going, oh, I lived it up too much. I wish I had gotten started earlier on simple things like investing because of compound interest, simple things like learning how to grow myself as a person in my career path, starting a business. I mean, you waste all this time in your 20s if you're not careful, and then you look up and you got a family and the kids. And most people my age can't do what you're doing right now without losing something they really care about. And so I think there's really a principle here and the earlier you can start on investing in the right things the, uh, you just have so much more runway to set your life up for success and to bless that many more people, you know, cause I know you're not doing it just for you. I mean, you really care about these people.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, and I've been focused and a lot of people my age, they, they compare them to me, which has been another thing that's deteriorated relationships is they, could they compare and, and wow, you're just so far along or this and that. It's like, well, I've, been foc- I've had the opportunity to focus on one single path since I was 18 years old. So by the time I'm 30, I've been doing one single thing for over a decade, which most people can't say. So yeah, I, I-, I am that far because I've been so focused on one single thing. And I'm happy to pay the tax now because I do know that it'll be able... I- I've-, I've seen the life that you can live. I've seen it. I lived it. And that was the genius of, of how my dad raised me. He intentionally... Put me in that environment to show me what was possible, and then said, "If you want it, go get it." Because there's no money here for you. I asked, I borrow I tried to borrow money from when I started the company. Said, "Kick rocks. You're not. You're, no, hmm. it's, you're on your own, bub." So, so, so he, he showed me what was possible, and then said, "If you want it, you go get it." And I've, I've, i looked. at am like, "Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's that's really cool. I want, I want that. I'm gonna go get it." And not only am I gonna have, you know, the money and, and the ability to take care of people, but You know, it's like, I want to be the only dad in the pickup line at my kid's school. All the moms are there because all the dads are off at work. I'm going to be there too. I'm going to be there too, picking up my kids because I've paid the tax up front and all these other guys, they're going to have to pay it for the next 30 years. I don't have to do that.
0: A lot of people in your generation, you know, it's, it's the greatest opportunity that's ever been available in the world with, with the technology that's available. I mean, you You look at how you started your thing. You're taking pictures and you're posting on a technology that didn't even exist 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And you built this massive platform. I mean, the opportunity is just infinite now. I mean, there was a time you, you just couldn't do this stuff. Yet I look at, and it's not just your generation. I mean, I see my peers and even people older than me wasting so much time when they could be getting after it and doing something. W- yeah. What do you say to them? I mean, I, I don't want to shame them. I get it, and and I get that we just get distracted. But you figured out a way to focus in a world that's very noisy and very distracted.
1: I've just tr- I've tried to show people like I've wanted to tell even even my siblings like, hey guys, you have the same opportunity I have here. You can do a lot with it. I'm doing a lot with it. Like hurry it up here. If I told them that though, nah, they, I don't think they'd buy it. I want to show by Here's what I am creating. Here's what I am doing. I want to show show people tell people by doing. I want to I want to be the example for what really is possible. And and that's just that's how I live. It's like if you want to do that, that's fine. I'm not going to go tell you to do other do otherwise, but I'm going to show people here's what's possible. I was this this kid. I don't have any resources that you don't. I I, I had a great childhood and this and that. So I do have things that people didn't have, but I'm not I'm I'm I'm, I'm a complete idiot. I'm the first one to say on you know, my Instagram bio, my personal Instagram bio, I'd say self proclaimed idiot because I'm, I'm a total moron. Like, I, I'm not, I don't have anything anyone else has. I'm just doing it every day, just waking up. Yeah, but you're focused and you're hungry. Focused, hungry. But it, and, and I guess, I guess what I could say to people too is it's a lot more fun doing this than doing something you don't like to do. So even though it does suck a lot of days, even though it's absolutely exhausting, it's so much more fun than the other jobs I've had that are just not what I wanted to be doing. So I wouldn't trade anything for it. And it's, it's just, it's a much richer lifestyle that I lead right now that I couldn't even imagine for myself a few years ago that I wouldn't trade for anything. So it's, it's worth the additional effort, but some people just don't want to put in the effort. Okay. You know, I, I I don't know what to tell them. I'm just going to show them what's possible. If they want to do something with it, that's fine. No, that's all you can do. Yeah. As we wrap up, you know,
0: hundreds of thousands of people listening to this podcast, most of them small business owners just like you. Based on your journey, what's the one thing, what's, what's the message you want small business owners to hear to encourage them, equip them, and,
1: and what we need to be doing right now as leaders in this country? Caring for people, looking out for people, thinking about people, investing in people, letting people make their own decisions. Just, I think a lot of people are, are afraid right now. I think a lot of people are lonely right now. A lot of people just need that—that that care, that love. That I've never subscribed to the rule with fear mentality. You know, just just go crush people, and and I want people to be afraid of me. When you need to be tough with people, I, if you got to be straight with someone, you can be straight with them. You, you can't just be too cushy and lovey. And mm-hmm. man, I just I really love you, and and shielding them from from reality at the same time. But um, people just need care. They need love, and they want they want to feel important. And they want to feel part of something. So if you, can, if you can create that for them, if you can give them that little bit of security right now, I think it goes a long ways and it's gone a long ways for us. It's, it's This year we tripled. So we tripled revenue this year and we, we re team more than that. No debt, no banking relationship, no investors, still have 100% equity. And we've done that because I think our people just, they believe in what we're doing and they believe in what we're doing because we have cared so deeply about them every single day since day one. That's been my priority. And now it's starting to pay off as a result. Even if if we even if we didn't want to grow, I could if my people were happy and they knew I cared about them, they'd be serving my customers better. They'd be creating new ways to do things. They'd be generating new value and 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 just adding more to the business than what would previously be there otherwise. So that's that's what I would say. So good.
0: Aaron, here I gotta I gotta preach at our audience for a second. Quit dogging millennials people, because they're full of people like Aaron. Yeah, there's some crappy people out there, and that's true in every generation. But Aaron, I mean, you give us so much hope for our country's future. You give us so much hope for entrepreneurship. You give us so much hope for the next generation of, you know, People that want to make a difference in the world, and I don't think it's a millennial thing. I don't think it's a generational thing. I I think it's a it's a character thing, and it's people like you that show up and they say, "Hey, I don't care what my peers are doing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the right thing." And, dude, I'm just telling you, it's inspiring, and I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I just I'm going to be thinking about this for days because I mean, it's not often somebody comes along and just. They have this clear vision. They have this clear of values. They know where they're going with their life, the season of life that you're in. And uh, dude, you've got a bright, bright future. So thank you for sharing today. It's It's been a blessing.
1: I appreciate it. I, I joke with my dad. I tell him there's still plenty of time to mess it all up though. That's so. true for all of us. Yep. Yep.
0: So uh, yep. y- you got the humility there. Keep, keep the humility. That's how you don't mess it up. I know a lot of people are going to want to check out your Instagram and see these uh, this content and stuff that you're putting out. What's the best way that people can find out more about you?
1: Uh, it's just at buildwitt on Instagram, B-U-I-L-D-W-I-T-T. Um, if you don't want to be spammed with bulldozers, I'd suggest not following because <laughs> that's all it is. Don't expect anything else. And then Aaron Witt on LinkedIn, um, sharing blue collar stories every single day of the week. Aaron Witt, great to have you in the Entre Leadership Studio.
0: Hope we can have you back sometime. Thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. After hearing that, you know what my first thought is? <laughs> What's your excuse? I mean, come on. Here's a guy. He's 25 years old. He's got his core values. He's got his mission. He's got his operating system. He's got his accountants and his attorneys. He's hiring people. He's got his platform and his social media. He doesn't feel like he has to know it all because he doesn't, but he's winning. Oh, and when's the biggest growth he's had? In 2020. 2020. When everybody else is on the beach, sucking their thumb, whining about the economy, whining about the pandemic, like here's somebody who's not going to be denied. I think I felt some healthy conviction just talking to this guy. And as I've reflected on the conversation, I thought, you know what he has? Yeah, he has passion. And yes, he has youth and there's some energy that comes with that. But what he really has is focus. He is laser focused on a 10-year vision on how he's gonna disrupt an entire industry. And you know what? I think he's gonna do it. I mean, the look in his eye, I wish, I wish you guys could you should go to YouTube and look. I mean, the look in this guy's eye, he's got the the eye of a tiger. Like we hear that phrase, we throw it around, like he actually has it. Like he's just not gonna be denied. And he's not a big burly dude. Like he doesn't have the physical presence, but man, you talk about heart. I mean, you talk about somebody you want to follow. Like, I want to hang out with this guy more because he's contagious, his energy and his passion. But he's also humble. He also understands it's about people. When your burning desire is to help people, not just make a profit, but to help people and to do it in a big way. And you can find out where people are being marginalized and people don't have a voice and you give them a voice and you bring your leadership to those conversations. Man, you're unstoppable. That's where Aaron's at. And I hope in hearing this conversation that you evaluate, where are you at? Are you fired up right now? Or are you just kind of going through the motions? And you know what? If you're just going through the motions, it's okay that you got to that space because we all do. It's just not okay to stay there. It's not okay to live there because you have too much to contribute. And I hope that in that hearing Aaron's story today it's a good reminder of that for you. Oh, God bless America. What an incredible, inspirational conversation. You know, like Aaron said in our conversation, you got to hire great people and you've got to hire people to your values. You got to make sure you use your values as a filter. We're so huge on hiring and how important hiring is here at Entre Leadership. You guys hear us talk about this all the time. One bad hire can cost you tens of thousands of dollars, but the right hires are what actually build your culture and help your mission excel. That's how it works. It's why we put together the 12-step hiring guide. Now, these 12 steps are the same 12 steps that every person I've hired here at Ramsey Solutions. I've hired hundreds of people here at Ramsey. I've gone through all 12 of these steps for every person I hired. So is Dave Ramsey. So is everybody on our operating board. It's the recipe. It's what we actually use. It's not a piece of content we put together so we can have a thing to give you guys. It's our freaking plan, people. So we're giving it to you for free, for fun, because we love you, and you need to make sure that you're hiring good people. So to get this free guide, just click on the link in the show notes. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Entree Leadership Podcast. And if you did... Share it with somebody. And what an inspiring conversation to share. And look, thank you for helping spread the word. It's not lost on me that the way this thing grows is you send it to your friends and business colleagues. We we hear all the time, every week, someone says, a friend of mine just shared this with me. Where have you been? So thank you for helping us really grow this thing. That's what it's all about. Also, this is cool. You can now watch interviews and highlights of the Entree Leadership Podcast on YouTube. So be sure to follow us over there. Now, look, if you're a small business owner between about two and 200 team members, we'd love to have a live conversation with you and get your feedback on the show, ask you a few questions to figure out how we make it even more valuable for you. To set that up, just click on the link in the show notes to fill out a quick survey so that our team can call you and set up a call with our our producer, the man, Tim Hole. You can actually, you hear his name all the time in the closing. You can actually speak with Tim and he actually wants to hear from you on what we can do to improve. No, you can't say get rid of the host, Daniel Tardy. That's not on the list, but everything else is on the table, people. Follow us on social media at Entree Leadership. You can also follow me on Instagram at Daniel Tardy. We'd love to hang out with you over there. This episode was produced by Tim Hull. It was edited and mixed by Will Rudder. I'm your host, Daniel Tardy. And on behalf of the entire Entree Leadership team, thank you for listening. Until next time, keep learning and keep leading.
3: If you enjoy this podcast, you should check out other great podcasts from the Ramsey Network, like the Dr. John Deloney Show. Mental health challenges and hurting relationships happen to everyone, but they don't have
1: to define you. I'm Dr. John Deloney, and I help people navigate through the messy things in their lives on the Dr. John Deloney Show. I'll walk alongside you as you face parenting,
3: marriage, and other relationship challenges. And I'll walk alongside you as you try to connect with people, as you face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn how to change your life. Listen,
1: I want you to be well. Listen to The Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you listen to podcasts.